I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. In The Princess Bride, when everything went wrong and fell apart, and Ego Montoya went back to the beginning. I don't know if you ever feel that way when you read the Sermon on the Mount. When I first started reading it, I thought it was beautiful, familiar, a little strange, and at times very uncomfortable, even frightening. I'd read it and it would break me and I'd go back to the beginning, to the Beatitudes. When we first started this podcast, we began in Matthew 5.17, not exactly the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, but we were originally envisioning doing a series of topical discussions, and Matthew 5.17 is the beginning of Jesus' teaching concerning the law. It's got lots of juicy things, uh, and as soon as we started getting into it, we realized, hmm, we got to go through the whole thing. We got to capture the big picture by going through everything. Uh, What that means, of course, though, is now we've gone back to the beginning to finish the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) So even though I'm a bitter perfectionist uh, and this is now out of order, it somehow also feels appropriate. So the Beatitudes are the heart of Jesus's sermon. They have a filling and repairing effect. So we're going to finish maybe with the most important teaching, the heart that we're supposed to have. Tim, do you want to read this? Sure. We'll start in Matthew 4, verse 25. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Thank you. All right, we... We read the last verse of chapter four to ground things. There were crowds following Jesus as he began his ministry. They were from Galilee, the 10 cities or Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan. Who were these people and how should we understand the sermon through their lens? And then also, how is this sermon universal? All right. Well, as as the uh, historical kind of grounding guy on this group, I, I think that's probably this one's for you, Jim. Yeah, that, I, I feel like Jim's going to answer this one. Everyone was looking at me like, "This is you. This is your thing." Um, so I, I think this was a way. This is a passage we uh, we a lot of people and we all have at different point in our Christian lives. We just kind of read past it uh, without appreciating what's actually going on here. Um, I have a theory, uh, I might have mentioned this on the pod before, but that the, and I can't totally prove this, so this is, you know, Jim's opinion land, not <laughs> not uh, biblical fact land, just to be very clear, is that um, that 
this sermon was preached somewhere kind of north of the Sea of Galilee, which was a stronghold's probably the wrong word, but it's early in the morning. I can't think of anything else of uh, kind of the Pharisee movement. Um, It was was heavily in the Pharisee movement. It was where Jesus uh, went. He went, you know, he withdrew to Capernaum. And this is probably around that area. It wouldn't make a ton of sense for it to be anywhere else, but I can't necessarily prove that definitively. So um, when they're saying, hey, there's all these people from all these different places, we kind of go, oh yeah, that's a place, that's a place, that's a place. We don't understand anything. And if we start to unpack it, we have uh, the most devout uh, Jews observing the law who were from the Galilee. That was kind of where they hung out and set up shop and mm-hmm. stayed and lived. And then you had uh, the Decapolis, which was as pagan as pagan could get. Right. Um, those were people that, if you were from the Galilee, you didn't go to the Decapolis, you didn't associate with people from the Decapolis. You were fearful and like almost standoffish of people from the Decapolis. It wasn't like you were like, I love them and want <laughs> the mm-hmm. best for them. You were like, nothing good happens with them. But were they, they were they Jews still? Were the Decapolis? Were there still Jews in the Decapolis? Not, I just truly there don't may, know. I don't know. There may have been. I would guess that this is them saying there were people who may or may not. There very well may have been people who already heard about this happening who weren't Jewish who wanted to see what was going on. Okay. So you so that maybe God fearers would be a way to think of them. Or just or, people who thought this was interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean I and it's we don't know. It seems yeah. like Matthew is trying to say these people came and then you had Judeans who were a little bit more Greek leaning mm-hmm. who also really didn't like Ga- Galileans and Judeans did not like each other. <laughs> it's if you took the most rural place and the most uh urban place, they they didn't mm-hmm. like they didn't view each other with a in a positive light, even though they were both Jewish. You know, these are people that don't hang out together. Um, so this would be kind of like you you have a New Yorker and someone from the Deep South. Mm. And, yeah, that, uh, we're not going to we're not going to wade into well, the American the political. <laughs> I know, but like I mean, for you know the hearers, like if you yeah. imagine yourself, like uh, what was that King of the Hill? That one one character that just I could not you couldn't understand. Boomhauer. I mean, I my family's from Iowa, so you can just use Iowa. Okay, so yeah, Missouri, where my parents are from. Yeah, but right, so like someone you might look down on, and you could even see like later, oh, you must be a Galilean because you got an accent. Yeah, right. And I think like my my parents, my mom is from like a farm in Missouri, right? Versus like upscale ivory tower New Yorker types, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that's kind of the way you could think of Judeans and Galileans mm-hmm. as Judeans as the rich ivory tower and Galileans as kind of the the off the beaten path sort of people. Mm-hmm. Um and so he he basically and then the region across the Jordan is kind of like everyone else. And so this is these are people who just don't associate with each other. Mm-hmm. They they don't talk to each other. They don't hang out with each other. And they're all coming here. And this is also really early on, so I'm not sure entirely. Uh, it's open question. How did they know what was happening? I mean, Jesus did some stuff around different parts of Israel before, but like, there's so many questions here. How did they know? Why did they come? What were they hoping to hear? Yeah. And, and so clearly there was a following here, but it was a following not just of like a select group of people. This was 
everyone was coming to hear it. And this, I think this is Matthew's way of saying there were all these people. And I think the other thing we probably need to note is that when we look at who Jesus' disciples were, they were from sort of different worldviews among Judaism, mm. but because he was heavily in the Galilee, it was probably a lot of Pharisees. Mm. And if you were a good Pharisee kid, people from Judea you obviously didn't like. Across the Jordan is kind of like, you know, everyone else. <laughs> uh, and then the Decapolis is like the place your mom told you, you never end up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> do not be caught dead in the Decapolis. And now there, all these people are sitting, and I imagine Jesus' disciples going, it would be like a kid from rural Missouri or rural Iowa who goes into New York City and go, like, is staying in Manhattan and goes, what have I walked into? Mm, yeah. And so this is kind of the, Matthew's way of saying Jesus is bringing all of these people together. He's bringing everyone Everyone's coming to listen to him. Mm-hmm. All the outsiders, all the people that, you know, a Pharisee or a Jewish person at the time would have thought are outside of what God's doing. He's bringing them in and he's, they're all following him. Mm. Yeah. I That's think, interesting. And I think that when you think about that dynamic, so it's a, it's a big, diverse crowd. Mm-hmm. Very. And I think when you when you think of that dynamic, you just kind of think of I imagine Jesus saying to his close disciples, "Hey, let's let's go up to the top of the hill. I have some things to say." And they follow him and all these other people have been following. Chapter 4 talks about how Jesus has gone through all of Galilee and he's been healing everybody of every disease and those people are just uh, uh trailers on. Mm-hmm. What's going on here? Yeah, what's going guy? on? Let's go see. Let's go. Hey, I'm sick. Let me get healed. Hey, I heard this guy heals people. Let's see the show. And people <laughs> from all kinds of uh, backgrounds are there. And you imagine, I just imagine the disciples heading up the hill with him and all these people are behind. And I imagine with them, there's some of, oh, no, what's he going to say? Is he going to mess this up? Is he going to now proclaim that he's David? I just want to let you know. We're David, you. is it sort of like, you know, like sometimes in our congregation, we sometimes have services outside. We have services in the park. Uh-huh. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when the preacher's up there and there's just other people in the park, I get a little bit nervous <laughs> about what he's going to say. I'm like, I see somebody just sort of standing there off to the side. And I'm thinking, what's he thinking looking at us and what's so I think there's a lot of interesting dynamics here, and Jesus is about to address some things that he means for all of these people to hear. Yeah. Uh, that also depends on the preacher, and I will not uh, name names. Oh, geez. Uh, yeah, please no, don't. Names will not be shared, but that depends on the preacher. No, I, Van, I love your point. It was a diverse crowd. These were not, like, they weren't friends. They weren't, they didn't run in the same circles, but Jesus somehow is bringing them all together. Yeah. Jesus is the common denominator here. Uh, Tim, would you have any? No, I, not I, on that one. I was thinking about this and thinking, uh, I was glad, I was like, oh, I, I'm glad Jim will be here to talk about yep. this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but because I, uh, I, I, you know, I don't, um, I'm not a, a big history buff, but I, I was looking at it from a, um, just a, from purely the language and how Matthew crafts this. I think there's something a special about. I, I came to the same conclusion, uh, essentially, uh, that these are um, 
looking at a map, that's the other thing. My, my background's architecture and uh, planning and, and city planning and looking at big... And if you look at a map, like the places that he describes are roughly the promised land, the 12 tribes. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there's something about when I was like, oh, maybe there's something about that. Maybe mm-hmm. like he's just saying he's up there because we we will look at this in a few minutes. He's Matthew's painting him like a new Moses. Right. And what did Moses do? He went up on Mount Sinai with the 12 tribes gathered and, you know, gives them the law. And uh, here we got Jesus and he's got represent, you know, geographically from the the same area where the 12 tribes were now are all at this mountain at his foot, which is cool. Uh, And I think uh, the piece that um, ties it together for me uh, a little bit more in chapter four in verse 17 and 23, we kind of get a um, preview. Jesus is preaching a message of repentance and good news regarding the kingdom of heaven. And now I think we get to see what that message of repentance and good news is. And this is a message for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, if it, to a Jewish reader, just to expound on what Matt said, um, I don't know that that's the case, but it sounds plausible mm-hmm. at the very least, because if that was the point they were making, uh, Jewish authors writing to Jewish readers don't beat you over the head with things. They leave little breadcrumbs there mm. for you to find them. So they, it wouldn't be like a, you know, in America, it would be a neon flashing sign that says, this is the land, all the people who occupy the land from the 12 tribes of Israel. For a Jewish reader, it would be like, yeah, they were in this place and this place and this place and this place. And you would have to connect those dots on your own. So I think what Matt said is uh, fair, is it, if that's not the intention, it, there's some, there could be something there. Mm-hmm. There could be. There could cool. be. I can't. Pred- <laughs> I can't. I don't know that there is or there isn't, but it certainly seems plausible. Yeah. Well, I liked hearing the 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 um, thinking about Pharisees being in the audience to um, because you look at what he how what he says, and you know, especially in chapter six, you're like, ooh, that would be that would be kind of hard to hear if I was a Pharisee. Yeah, and I think I think the other thing that's interesting is when you. It, when you look back at the Sermon on the Mount, he actually addresses all of the groups of people, like the re- mm. the super religious Pharisees and Zealots. He addresses the kind of Greek-leaning Jews as well. Mm. Like he says, you can't serve both God and money. You cannot mm. try to become wealthy and serve God. Those are those two are in. And so, and he addresses all of it at different times. Mm-hmm. So clearly, and uh, I'm stealing the thunder from the next question, so we should just move <laughs> on. Sure. Well, I, picking up, I think, a little bit on what uh, something you were starting to say, Van, um, about how you got this whole crowd, right? And then mm-hmm. Jesus pulls away and talks to just his disciples, right? He, 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 But then it's sort of like, is he really teaching just his disciples? Because, mm-hmm. you know, by the end of the sermon, we know that the crowds were astonished at his teaching. What do we learn about Jesus's teaching style? And uh, how does that apply to us? Well, I think that, you know, this is Jesus. So he knows who he's talking to. And I think one of the, one of the genius things about the Beatitudes in particular, the Sermon on the Mount as a whole, is that, so, you know, when, you, when you're when you at a church service, 
there's sometimes where the where the preacher will qualify what he's saying. So he'll say, let me talk to a minute. Let me talk for a minute to those of you who are visiting. And then he'll say something that applies very specifically and very directly to people who are visiting. Mm-hmm. Or he might say, now some of you have been coming to church for a long time. <laughs> Right. And then he'll say something, and it's for those people. Jesus doesn't do any of that in this sermon. And because he's Jesus, we know that this is not an accident. He's clearly aware of all of these people. And as you were saying, Jim, there are parts of the sermon that seem like, oh, that I bet that's kind of directed at the Pharisees. Or a Pharisee hearing this would say, oh, that's directed at me. Mm-hmm. Or somebody from the Decapolis might hear the talk about money and yeah. say, oh, he's talking yeah. to me now. But <laughs> yeah. Jesus at no point says, hey, you folks from the Decapolis, you can't serve both God and money. He says it to everybody. And I think what what that does is it really levels the playing field. Yeah. That he is not just addressing the people who are specifically following him because they believe that he's the Messiah. He's not just addressing the people who are there because they heard he heals people and they're thinking, hey, free health care. <laughs> He's not just addressing the people who are, you know, I heard this guy does some things. Let's go check him out. You know, yeah. he's not just addressing. He's not just addressing. So if you think of it in like a, a modern scenario, I thought of it like like a Facebook post. There are people who, when they see a, a Facebook post or a post on anything in social media, there are people who will click like. There are people who will just look at it and not do anything. So you don't know what they're thinking about it. There are people who will click like. There are people who will click love. There are people who will use all the different emojis. And then there are people who will actually make a comment. Jesus is addressing all of those people simultaneously. There are some people there, his disciples, who are like, I'm following him. I'm here to listen to what he has to say. There are some people there who are only peripherally like, oh, I heard there's a crowd. What's going on? Let me see what's going on here. And Jesus is addressing all of those people. I like what you were saying, too, about the sermons and how sometimes a minister will will preface. And this is for, you know, if you've been coming a while. But then other times, isn't it also like, oh, did the minister, did someone (laughs) tell the minister what's going on in my life? Why is he preaching about this? Uh, (laughs) Usually the answer is it's in the text. Right. Sometimes. Um, I I don't even think it's necessarily the Holy Spirit told him. I think it's just in the text and it applies to our lives in a very specific way. Right. But I I do think the Spirit's also involved in, Mm. in, in, in all of this. But, uh, yeah. I I was going to say for this, I think, um, this is one of those things where I, I, I didn't pick up on this until fairly recently, but if Jesus is a Jewish rabbi, um, which I think he is, he certainly acts like a Jewish rabbi in so many ways. So um, then him sitting, like if he's sitting his disciples down and teaching them in the middle of a crowd would make a ton of sense. And especially in like a place like Galilee, there weren't it wasn't like there were a zillion working rabbis. Like it wasn't like every street corner had a rabbi. It was they weren't that common. Um, I don't know exactly how common they were, but it, it was not like everywhere. And so, rabbis with a crowd of I don't want to diminish people by saying this, but like hangers on, like people who are kind of there to watch and observe and see. That's not really surprising. That would have happened. Um, 
And but the rabbi's purpose was not to engage that crowd. They would engage that crowd. They would talk to that crowd. They would work with that crowd. They would even sometimes do miracles in that crowd. But the rabbi's almost um, maniacal focus was on training their disciples. Mm-hmm. They were not really concerned. They weren't trying to exclude the crowds. They weren't... Um, I, I, I feel like when I'm saying this, I have to couch about eight different things because everyone's like, oh, wait, Jesus didn't care. No, Jesus was totally cool with everyone hearing it. He probably, I think like Van said, there's probably a little bit of him that was like, I kind of hope you guys hear this. Mm. I want you to hear this. But I also think it's important that we get his primary focus was training his disciples, not necessarily, you know, moving the crowds. Because his whole thing was, I'm going to train these 12 guys or these people, um, and they're going to go impact the world, but I need to train them. Yeah. And I think I view the Sermon on the Mount in a lot of ways as a chat with his disciples that lots of people may have overheard. Yeah. As like, uh, I'm talking to these guys, but there's some spillover and everyone else gets to hear, but these are the guys I'm doing. I, I think, Matt, to answer your question in terms of how that works today, like the idea that we work with a small group of people and that can have a really big impact. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I we like big, 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 because um, at least the four of us, we live in America and in America, we Super want everything. Me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> everything has to be bigger. Everything has to be grander. Everything has to be more explosive. But instead going, no, well, let's work with a small group of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's really change lives on a small scale. And if we change lives on a small scale, those people can also change people's lives. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's not quick. It doesn't pr- necessarily produce the fruit and results we're looking for as quick as we but might it's like. it's fruit that lasts, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a lot more, it's a lot, yeah, it's a lot more effective because now that's, a, that's an actual change life. So I think, I think Jesus was really focused on Jesus. doing that. He was focused on, look, I'm changing these 12 guys. It's that circle Crowds. of influence thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like growing your circle of influence. You you can't worry about all the stuff way off in the world that you have no impact over. It's mm-hmm. just like right around you. Who do you really influence? Yeah. Start yeah. there. And I, th- I, I do think, and I, I don't disagree with that, but I think that we also have to keep in mind who this is. Yeah. That this, is, this is the son of God. And, you know, if God can do anything... Which God in the flesh can do anything. He can multitask. So he's he's definitely he's. He, I think he is focused on his guys because those are the guys who have to bring the gospel yeah. to the whole world. But I think also he's addressing that whole oh, crowd certainly, and even expanding it. Obviously, because it's in the scriptures now, he's addressing all of us. For that's all a time. fun way of thinking of Jesus as a multitasker because <laughs> I am not, and exactly. I've seen people that are. And I'm like, wow, I'm yeah. amazed. And then we're frazzled. So if we're in, if I, if I'm if I'm in a if I'm just with you three guys, and we're sitting somewhere, and I want to say something specifically to you, and there's a lot of other people hovering around, I become very acutely aware of that. <laughs> yeah. And then I go think, away. <laughs> oh, you know what? Maybe we should go someplace private because I want to say some things that are. Or I think, well, let me change what I'm going to say in case somebody else overhears it. Jesus didn't have to. He didn't have any of that. 
Mm. He he wasn't worried about somebody overhearing. He wasn't worried about he was I think that he could do both. I think that he could focus in on the the few guys who were going to be his apostles, but he could also expand that to all of us for all time. No, I think you're absolutely right. And I think in that world, like the rabbis, my understanding, they just didn't care. Like, I mean, to a degree that would be really uncomfortable for us, like if there was a big crowd and they had a point they needed to make to their disciples, they would just make it. Like, and they wouldn't really care. They wouldn't be concerned with the larger audience because they're laser focused on those disciples. I think Van, you make up a, you bring up a great point though of him doing both because it really seems like because the audience is so expansive and Jesus, Jesus's ministry, for the most part, is a very local ministry. Like mm-hmm. it's not this worldwide thing. This may be a way of, I, again, I'm again Jim's opinion land. To be very clear, Jim's Jim's random thoughts land. This could be a way of him going. Look, eventually we're going to go to all these places. Mm-hmm. And these people have now heard, they, they have an idea of what I'm about. Mm-hmm. And then when you bring this message to little them, seeds. in the fu- yeah, little seeds, in the future, it won't be brand new for them. Mm-hmm. When you bring this to the Decapolis, when you bring this across the Jordan, it's not going to be brand new. Some of them will, will mm-hmm. already be familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I kind of was thinking of this as like a club and you're like, you want to go out somewhere and uh, I'm not going to go there. That looks dead. No one's lined up outside. And (laughs) maybe, maybe Jesus is building uh, excitement because it's select. But, but then I was like, ah, that's kind of silly. The thing that I want to ask is how does this relate to us now? Because I I sometimes think, um, I mean, there's the whole, um, seeker friendly movement and let's let's have very uh um you know entertaining services i think something i see in the scriptures is that uh you know when paul's talking to uh churches he's you get the sense that church services were for believers and if someone else showed up and were convicted by the message that was for believers Mm -hmm. oh good but it was primarily for hey uh you know, we're following Jesus, and this is this is what it means. You, you may not understand everything because, hey, you're lost. You you're blind and deaf, and <laughs> mm. so uh, come see and and come see some more if you you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been fun listening, to you guys. It's there's like so much there, um, and I mean, part of part of when we're thinking about kind of how it applies, we have to take a step back and just think about Jesus had Jesus taught in different ways at different mm-hmm. times, right? Mm-hmm. So he spoke a lot in parables. Sometimes he'd be really explicitly addressing the crowds like in parables, right? Mm-hmm. Other times he would take the disciples, hide away and explain, okay, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to have to die, right? Some really challenging stuff. So this is not like Jesus's only style mm-hmm. of teaching that's happening here, right? but it's like a style. And I think what's helpful here, that dynamic that, I won't say it's unique, but um, that is apparent. Yeah, he's speaking to disciples with a large crowd. Like he explicitly says he's talking to disciples. Um, So in that context, um, I think what's interesting to me is the stuff that Jesus talks about in that context, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? (laughs) I might want to hold back 
on what Jesus is talking about here if I was speaking in that context. Because he's... I might offend someone. Yeah, I might offend someone. Like, Mm -hmm. he's trying to help his disciples to understand, like, a whole new reality and mindset on, like, how, what life is like and, like, what their commitment to God should be like and where their devotions are. And it's, like, that's going to ruffle feathers. And if, if if I'm in that setting, I might be, like, I don't want to bring this up in front of a ton of other people because then it's going to bring up they might, yeah, they might have some bad reaction and then I've got to deal with that. And it's like just way easier. Let me just, let me just talk about the mindset change to the people who like care, you know, like, but Jesus didn't do that. So I think that's interesting to me, um, that he, he's not hiding the, you know, if I might say like the revolutionary mindset, right. right? Mm -hmm. That's, the kingdom mindset that yeah. he's bringing. Um, but yeah, I think it's really, I do think Jesus would leave this time. And if his disciples are like, Oh, like I'm starting to get something I didn't get before. Then that would be like, he'd be like, okay, this is a success, right? Hmm. Like he doesn't, he's not his highest priority. Like you were saying, Jim, isn't like, does the guy in the crowd from the Deca- Decapolis, like think I'm really smart or that agree with <laughs> right. what I'm saying. Yeah. He's like, do the disciples get this? Do the disciples yeah, know? Yeah. 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 I think, I think about one of the things that you mentioned that I, I think is really critical here in terms of application, I've already talked about kind of the small to big, the small group influence, but is like Jesus spoke what the truth of what the text was saying. Mm-hmm. And you can have the argument that this was what the Torah was always trying to get at is like Jesus didn't necessarily bring all these new ideas. It's just, we miss them in Torah. Mm -hmm. Um, That's another argument for another time. But I also think what's interesting is he wasn't concerned with the spillover, right? Like he was just like, Oh no, I'm saying this, this is right. Mm -hmm. This is what Torah says. And you know, if the crowds hear it and don't like it, I can live with that. Mm -hmm. And I think we have such uh, careful crafting of our message and of what we say and of like who's in the audience and who hears. And, and we tend to just, and we're very concerned with that. And, you know, there's reasons why, but like today, it's just, we we probably have to be less concerned with what the big crowd of diverse people from diverse places with diverse thinking, we probably need to be a little bit less concerned with what they think. Mm-hmm. And we probably mm. need to be a lot more concerned with training the people who are trying to follow Jesus yeah, and less concerned with winning the people who may or may not, but really training the people who know, who are already working to follow Jesus. Yep. That's a good point. Van, any parting thoughts here? Uh, it, it, not any that I could say in the less than two minutes that <laughs> yeah. I feel like okay, we have. Yeah, we got we to gotta come back to this. This has been great. Good intro. I'm excited about picking it up next time. I think we're going to get into the Beatitudes themselves, the structure, and, and start to dive into them. So thank you, guys. Thanks. Thanks.